Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, August 5th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the latest film and TV news, and really, that is just one big news item today, and we'll get to that in just a second. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I am joined on today's episode by Slash Film Managing Editor Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. All right, guys. So uh, the news has been pretty abysmal this week. Uh, movie news, I should say. Well, I guess the real news has, has not exactly been, you know, bright and cheery recently. Uh, but in terms of, th- you know, stories that we can talk about on the podcast, there really hasn't been much uh, except for yesterday. Disney had a big investor call, a quarterly earnings report or something along those lines. And uh, the new CEO of the company, Bob Chapek, Revealed some interesting information about Mulan. I think that's going to be enough for us to just talk about today. Um, You guys probably listening to this probably already know about this, but just in case you don't, uh, Mulan is going to be released on Disney Plus on September 4th, but you will have to pay extra to watch it. So this is the first time that Disney Plus is implementing any sort of uh, functionality like this, where basically you have to subscribe to Disney Plus and then pay an extra price on top of your monthly subscription to access this uh, premium content, I think is what they were referring to it on this uh, this earnings call. So um, the Mulan uh, live action remake was originally supposed to hit theaters back in March. And then obviously the pandemic has, has made Disney push it, you know, the theatrical release for a long time. It was like trailing Tenet. It was supposed to be right behind Tenet. And then evidently Disney just got sick of waiting and decided, okay, September 4th, we're putting our chips down and we're going to have this movie be released theatrically where Disney plus is not available, which is not that many places nowadays. Um, But for the most part, it is going to be on Disney plus on that same day on September 4th. So uh, people will have to pay $29.99 to rent this and it took several hours i want to say it was you know (laughs) like at least four hours after this big call and after all these news articles went out before a a disney spokesperson clarified that when you pay uh 29.99 it is not actually going to be for a one-time rental as the original call indicated but it will actually basically stay in your disney plus library you'll have access to it 
um, for as long as you remain a subscriber to the Disney Plus service. So yeah, that, that, those are the basics of, uh, of this new news. And I just wanted to talk about that because this is a brand new thing for Disney. And uh, I, I think we all probably all have thoughts about it. So um, Jacob, let's start with you. What, do you, what did you make of this news? Uh, I hate it. I hate it a lot, but I, I also get it. I mean, when you spend $200 million before advertising costs on a movie uh, and it is sitting there in your back pocket while you're waiting for a pandemic to end, it's like, what do you do with this nightmare? It's it's a worst possible scenario for a company like Disney who is used to releasing, you know, at least $1 billion movie a quarter, if if not more than that. And they're sitting on this and Black Widow and Soul, three movies that should have put $3 billion into Disney's pockets this year alone. And in the same earnings call, whether announced they've lost what four point six billion over the past few months due to the pandemic, I feel like they had to do something. Uh, and I don't the idea of me spending thirty bucks to rent uh, or sorry to lease, I guess would be a better term than rent at this point. <laughs> a uh, a movie for, uh, on a service I already use. I don't like it. It's why I don't. It's why I don't use Audible, uh, where, you, where it was a, a service that says, "Hey, pay a monthly fee." And then spend money on audiobooks. It's a, for me, it's a service that to me is kind of off-putting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, it's a one-time thing, and I, and I get it. I hope they'll make a habit of it. I, I have a very strong feeling this is how I'll be watching Soul in a few months, and we'll see about Black Widow. I feel like that's the next step up, even for a Marvel movie. Uh, so yeah, I don't like it. I don't like the idea of paying thirty bucks on top of a fee I already pay for for a service. But with that said, I, I know we're not supposed to sympathize with the multi-billion-dollar corporations of the world, but you know, when you've lost $4.6 billion and you need an, an influx of cash right now and you have this possible billion-dollar movie sitting in your pocket, you know, maybe this is what you need to do to keep the company going. If you, if it means people keeping their jobs, if it means Disney not to announce massive layoffs, you know, two months from now, okay, sure, I'll pay 30 bucks to watch Mulan. It's cheaper than watching in theaters for a lot of families. I just hope this isn't a habit that Disney gets into beyond pandemic times. Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, pretty much everything Jacob said, I agree with. The only, only thing I would add is if it is going to become a habit, I I kind of wish um, Disney Plus would, would, would like increase their subscription price. Like right now, it's like seven bucks. Uh, like I would say a workaround for this would be to say like, all right, we're going to start putting these big movies. We're going to start putting, you know, Soul and Black Widow and everything else we have cooked up right on Disney plus, but we're also going to uh, bump the, the, the price up of the subscription. So like, you know, say they bump it up to like 15 bucks. So yeah, you're paying more, but you're getting those big movies. But you know, I know no one wants to come right out and, and admit that for, for various reasons. One is to, you know, they don't want to anger theater owners. Cause I, I'm, I'm sure theater owners don't want this to happen at all. Um, the other day I said this in the Slack and, you know, I, I freely admit I, I am a, I am a pessimist, but everyone keeps operating under this assumption that uh, things will get quote unquote back to normal at some point. And at least in, you know, the good old US of A, I have this very bad sinking feeling in my stomach that things aren't going to get back to normal, at least for a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, if, if it's, between let's keep delaying all these movies for, you know, forever, or let's bite the bullet and admit we got to start releasing things uh, digitally. I would rather they go the latter route just because I'm, you know, I'm craving new movies now. And, you know, that's a purely selfish reason. And, you know, I also get that 
you know, there are people who work at movie theaters and they want to keep their jobs. And if that happens, movie theaters will collapse. And I, I don't know what the answer is. And I, you know, it just boils down to this, you know, what we're going through right now was very avoidable. We really could have avoided it and we didn't. And that sucks. And I, I, I wish things would miraculously change overnight, but they're not going to. And I don't know when things are going to change. So that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Oh, go ahead, Jacob. I just want to ask a question to both of you, which is, if we, if let's say Disney releases Mulan and Soul, and maybe even Black Widow, uh, via this process, we're paying thirty bucks to get access to a two hundred million dollar movie, an event film, and what if it's successful? What if it's not just audience hunger, but audience is saying, "Oh, I like this." Uh, I mean, a lot of people talk about the idea of theaters being closed being the death knell for th- for theaters going forward. But with the death knell is people realizing, oh, I can watch Black Widow or Mulan on my couch, as opposed to the, the virus doesn't kill theaters. Uh, Disney and Universal and everybody else putting these big products out on VOD kills theaters. I mean, I feel like that's like, I feel that, that feels bigger to me than, you know, that to me is the big news out of this is what do people take a liking of this in a way that nails that coffin shut? Yeah, I mean, you might be right about that because like that, you know, uh, um, what would you call it? Viewership patterns have been sort of pushed in that direction over the past, whatever, a decade plus with Netflix and the rise of streaming anyway, right? I think like, especially in a pandemic, I think people's brains are being rewired to uh, like devalue the theatrical experience because now it's like a safety issue (laughs) instead of, you know, uh, I guess on on top of um, just like convenience or whatever, like you have this idea of, okay, now I can stay home and um, things are, obviously the the pandemic has pushed, um, has pushed us into a world that I think people like Chris had, you know, (laughs) in the worst possible way, this pandemic has done it, but we are now entering that world that, um, that people like Chris and, and even me to some degree, uh, maybe a slightly lesser degree than Chris (laughs) have been wanting for a while, which is like, maybe it's not the greatest idea to go see things in theaters because the theatrical experience has been, you know, eroding over time, uh, anyway, I, I love the option of still having it there when I want it. And that I obviously don't wish, you know, <laughs> for th- for this entire industry to go away. Um, but yeah, I think I think you might be onto something there, Jacob. Like, you know, if this becomes an, a new normal, I think this it would just uh, further cement um, viewership patterns and, and um, things like that that have been forming for years. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. I, I, I've gone on record with my uh, disdain for movie theaters. I love movies. I love watching movies. But and I know there are many people in, you know, our, our business in the, in the, the film critic slash writer business who, who really cherish and value the theatrical experience. But I, I've I, I have long since moved past that because most experiences I've had at movie theaters have been terrible, be it people just talking or people not putting their cell phones away. Or in recent years, it's become, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I've developed this weird paranoia where even though I often go to movies by myself, if I'm at a movie theater by myself and I see like some loner guy come in wearing like a camo jacket, my immediate thought is like, is this guy going to start shooting up the movie theater? Because that's another thing that movie theaters have become. And it's like, it's like if it's a choice between all of that and watching it at home, 
I would really rather watch it at home. But yeah, you know, that again, like I said, that's a, that's a selfish line thinking because I also don't want an entire industry of people to lose their jobs. I am not for people losing their jobs unless they're Republicans. Then they can lose jobs. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, I don't, you know, there's nothing worse than working in an industry and, and having that collapse. So I don't want that to happen. And, you know, our industry, you know, the, the writer industry we've seen over the years, just sites go under because of, you know, poor planning and just the way things are shaking out. So I don't wish that really upon anyone, but I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I just have never really quite understood this, the sanctity of the theatrical experience thing. And I don't know, I wish someone could really explain it better to me. And so far, no one really has, but again, I don't, I, I want everyone to win. That's what I'm saying. I want everyone to be happy. And I just don't think that's possible anymore. I remember uh, a few years ago, maybe close to 10 years ago now, uh, everybody ran stories, these quotes from Steven Spielberg, who was talking about how increasingly theaters would become a boutique experience uh, and how, you know, smaller films would not enter them. They'd become a Broadway type experience where there were fewer theaters and you get dressed up and spend $50 to go see a massive movie and you'd watch everything else at home. At the time, everyone said, oh, Spielberg, you're being crazy and cynical. And now I think Spielberg's right. I think we're going to see movie theaters become, you know, the, uh, these experiences where, you know, you treat them like a Broadway show instead of like a um, movie uh, or a movie as we experience them now. It's, it's not a disposable thing anymore. Going out to the theater, we're going out to the theater as opposed to catching a flick. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's a really good solution for right now, right now, and for the foreseeable future. And it's this idea of uh, virtual cinemas. It's this idea where studios team up with theaters like AMC or, or even smaller theaters to screen movies virtually through their websites and you know there's got to be a way and, and a lot of people are doing that but not as many as i wish would and it's only, so far it's only been like really small independent movies but i feel like this would be a great way to both keep theaters alive because in theory you'd be paying to, to rent them and it would keep movies coming out and i i don't know why more studios aren't latching onto this idea and i kind of feel like this mulan thing is going to be like it's either going to open the floodgates and more and more people are going to catch on to this and start doing it, or it's going to be met with a lot of resistance. And I'm not really sure how it's going to go. I, I think more studios aren't doing it is uh, the reason they aren't doing it is because they don't actually need theaters right now. Right. I, I, right. That's my, that's my guess is just like sort of from the outside looking in, I don't know like the specifics of exactly what the, the percentages are and stuff like that. But I, I know that that deal recently that we talked about of um, universal and AMC striking up a deal where AMC is going to take a, a cut, a percentage of some of the movies that uh, that Universal puts out on streaming, you know, during that 17 day uh, uh, exhibition window or after that that 17 day window. So like that, you know, that's happening, but that's only between Universal and AMC. And I, I just wonder how much of it is like um, studios sort of seeing right now that they have all the leverage and being like, oh, these theater people who have been, uh, you know, essentially like, uh, um, calling the shots for you know decades on end and like forcing us into uh these sort of like old and and maybe archaic ways of doing business um are are looking you know like they they've been beaten and and kicked to the ground right now so maybe let's get an extra kick in there instead of reaching down a hand and, and helping to pull them up um jacob what do you think about that anything 
uh, I think that ultimately comes down to the fact that theaters need studios more than studios need theaters. And I think Universal learned this a few months ago. Disney's going to learn it with Mulan. And I, we're seeing a fundamental shift. I don't know what else to add. Yeah. Uh, okay. So one thing I think we should probably bring up is that um, Trolls World Tour, which uh, kicked off a lot of <laughs> a lot of consternation in the in, in the industry, and and was really like one of the big um, premium video on demand titles to come out in the pandemic era. Um, a lot of people are, are pointing at uh, Trolls World Tour. That's a tough thing to say as a comparison point to this Mulan thing. Um, but that was a $20 rental for 48 hours. And this is a, a $30 rental for the entire length of your, of your subscription, like the, the time that you have that you subscribe to Disney plus. So I don't really think that that's a, uh, a fair comparison. Um, I just wanted to bring that up. I'm, I'm trying to think of like every potential angle that we can talk about here. And I think that was something that I, I saw some people talking about online and I just, I wanted to address that real quick. Um, did you guys have any other uh, points that you, um, that this, that this news like inspired any thoughts about like what could happen in the future? Like Chris, I, I know that I, I think you just mentioned like are other studios going to do this? Do you think that, that, um, I don't know, HBO or, or, uh, or Warner brothers or, or whatever is going to do something like this with HBO max, like create this sort of tiered system within where you pay this subscription price and then pay extra money on top of that without, uh, going through, without releasing their movies on like um, services like Amazon or iTunes or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think if this works out for Disney and I actually do think it is going to work out for them, uh, I think it's actually going to be better than anyone is actually expecting right now. I just think it's going to be a big win for Disney. And I think if that happens, I could definitely see places like, uh, you know, Warner brothers since they own HBO max, just doing the same thing with HBO max. And, I could then see other studios being like, oh shit, we gotta, we gotta get our own streaming services now because that just really does seem like the, you know, the way the wind is blowing. Um, Jacob, Chris mentioned earlier, like potentially raising the price of Disney plus and then releasing some of these bigger movies on there. Um, let's, what do you think of about that idea? Would you be more willing? Cause I, I know you said in the beginning of this conversation that you didn't really like the idea of subscribing and then paying extra on top of that. What do you think about just lifting the, the base price? Uh, I would like it if Disney plus had constant ongoing content, but they don't. So the idea of them saying, we're going to raise a, a monthly fee to $15 a month and in exchange, here's soul black widow of Mulan. Then a year from now, let's say things have normalized a little bit. Am, am I still paying 15 bucks a month for movies that are not being put directly on Disney Plus anymore? I feel like once you make that jump, you either need to commit whole to it or you need to um, backtrack, you know, and say, oh, we're going back to our previous price, which Disney will never do. Disney's never lowered a price in their damn lives. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's a good idea in theory. I just don't think that uh, if there's any chance of normalcy within the next year or two in the theatrical realm and if things ever do return back to or putting this back in theaters first, you know, watch it later on Disney Plus in six months. Uh, the ch- idea of them saying, well, we raised this to give you this premium experience, but we're going to, it's, ba- it's the same as it was before, but now you're paying more for it. Sorry. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just can't imagine, I can't imagine that being viable for consumers. 
So as all of this news was breaking yesterday, Peter was talking in our Slack channel about how he has heard that uh, some of the higher ups at Disney have been staunchly against the idea of simultaneous theatrical and this premium video on demand releasing. And he, he thinks that the studio will do these types of premium rentals or maybe even just like a, a traditional VOD release, but not during the first month of a theatrical release moving forward. He, he Basically, he's theorizing that this will become commonplace for Disney movies after they leave theaters instead of um, being sort of simultaneous with the uh, a, a theatrical release. And I guess really that that only applies uh, in areas where there aren't, where Disney Plus is not right now. Um, but Bob Chapik, the, the CEO of Disney, was saying on this investor call that he said, uh, we're looking at Mulan as a one-off as opposed to uh, saying that there's some new business windowing model that we're looking at. So Mulan is a one-off. Liar, said, Bob Chapik, <laughs> you liar. You, you, you robotic voice little liar. The most boring man to ever speak on a Disney conference call, liar. Bring back Bob Iger. At least he lies to us in like a voice he can read an audio book. Bob Chapik. Stop it. Yeah, he, he followed that statement up by saying, we find it very interesting to be able to take a new offering, a premier access offering to cut uh, to consumers at that price point and learn from it and see what happens, blah, blah, blah. Um, basically, like Disney is going to like look and see how this performs. Um, and if it performs well, I don't think there's anything that is going to stop them from doing this time and time again. So, uh, you know, despite the CEO claiming that this is a one-off, I, I certainly <laughs> think that this is going to be uh, part one of a larger story for Disney. Um, I want to ask you guys something that I, I saw people theorizing about on Twitter. I think um, Scott Mendelson and Dave Gonzalez were talking about a scenario in which subscribers might have to pay for weekly episodes of big top tier shows like the Mandalorian or the Marvel shows that Disney plus has in the works. And um, like theoretically there might be like a base level where people have to wait until the full season is out before they get access to the whole thing. Or, you know, like the, the idea being that Disney has, has now introduced with this Mulan news, the idea, to, uh, the idea of tiered pricing within the Disney plus app. So like what else could they use that for in addition to other movies like, you know, Black Widow and, and Soul, like you were talking about earlier, maybe they're, they're going to do that. They haven't made any, any announcements about what exactly they're going to do that or, or, or do with those movies or, or whether those films will, um, will be just, you know, delayed indefinitely. But um, what do you guys think about that? The idea of, of Disney plus using this, this tiered structure to maybe force people to pay um, you know, for a, a second tier to have access to big shows that everybody cares about on a weekly basis, and then maybe just like letting everyone else get it uh, after the entire season is over. This is a nightmare, Ben. A nightmare for a lot of reasons. Because you know, I'll get my I'll get my freaking Baby Yoda gifts for free elsewhere. I don't need to pay to watch them happen live in front of me. I'll, I'll just go to the, go to the Reddit and find all the Baby Yoda gifts there. And then no more Mandalorian for me. I don't need, I don't need it that badly. Yeah, I, I guess that brings up a question. Like, I think that means if something like that happened, I feel like piracy for some for a show like that would would skyrocket, right? Just because people would would sort of like uh, rebel against the idea of being forced to pay like another price on top of their subscription price for a show. Um, Chris, what do you think about that concept? It's bad, and 
I, it's a bad idea, and I wish you hadn't even spoken into existence because now they're going to do it. Thanks a lot, Ben. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I should delete this. Part yeah. Cut this part out of the podcast. <laughs> Um, Okay, so I think that's all the the big stuff that I had to talk about. Do you guys have any other like potential implications for, you know, what this news might mean or or any other ideas about uh, what this says about the state of the industry or just Disney's uh, tactics or anything at all? I think if Disney does it and it works, uh, things change forever because uh, Disney's doing a lot of things right. I, I I have my fair share of qualms with Disney as a company. Uh, but also, I think they're, they've frequently made movies and creative choices that I also really like. I'm really torn, but um, I feel like they've become an industry leader for a reason because people respond to their work uh, for better or for worse, for better and for worse. <laughs> um, uh, and if this works, I think everybody else is going to follow it. Chris, any final thoughts? Uh, if this whole thing is bugging you, uh, people out there listening, please wear a goddamn mask and tell your friends to wear a mask and tell your friends to stop going out places they don't need to go. And oh my God, I want this to end so badly. So please, (laughs) please just use common sense. And we, you know, just look at, you know, look at New Zealand. They're fine. We could be like New Zealand right now. Instead, we're not. So please, please try try to be more like New Zealand. That's my closing message. Yeah, that's probably a, a good uh, thing for everybody to do at all times. I've, I've been in New Zealand. It's great. The people there are great. So uh, use them as, as an example. Um, oh, th- there's one more thing, one more topic real quick, and maybe we'll, we'll use this as a, as a conclusion to wrap up this episode. Uh, I saw a lot of people speaking about this news after it broke yesterday as like um, as sort of a negative thing, like uh, in terms of Disney, you know, making this call for Mulan and not for something like Black Widow immediately, like the idea of um, of this being a way for Disney to uh, like almost devalue Mulan by putting it directly on streaming instead of holding out for the theatrical experience. Do you guys think that there's um, that there's anything to that idea that like you know actions speak louder than words? So the fact that they are doing this with uh, with Mulan right out of the gate, do you think that means anything larger for like what the company thinks about? the movie or or do we have to like uh just chalk this up to it's a pandemic think you know they're they're rolling with the punches and doing whatever they can right now and then if uh they actually do end up holding black widow for theaters until next year or something then maybe we can draw those conclusions do you guys think it's maybe too early to draw those or or i don't want to lead the witness but um i'm sure you guys saw similar conversations online so i wanted to just throw that out there as the, the closing topic here I did not see these conversations because I gave up on Twitter, and it's great to not have Twitter in my life. Because uh, I think that sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory thing to say right now. I do, I do not think that devalues anything. To be honest, I, um, I think we're in unprecedented times. You know, as as the toilet paper commercials tell us, you know, we, we things are strange right now. Uh, so it's, it's, it's like, I think trying to say that Disney is devaluing their two hundred million dollar. Uh, widely marketed epic uh, at this stage of the game is a very silly thing to say. Like, a kind of thing you say when you're looking at Twitter instead of looking at the sunshine through your window. That's how I feel about Twitter right now. Maybe I'm mischaracterizing a little bit when using the word devaluing. But Chris, did you happen to see those conversations happening last yeah. night? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, 
you know, I don't want to give Disney the benefit of the doubt because Disney is a huge corporation and all huge corporations are inherently evil. That said, um, I do think this is just a case of they've already delayed Mulan multiple times. People have seen it, as we brought up, you know, there was the there were press screenings and stuff like that. So not press screenings, but there was that premiere. So I feel like the reason they're doing it with Mulan first is just because it was, you know, the next movie they were going to release in theory, in theory. Um, But I do think, like you said, if they only do this with Mulan and then they don't do it with Black Widow and stuff like that, then we should be able to have those conversations. But for now, I do think it's just a, a bit premature to be immediately jumping to, uh, conspiracy theories, but then again, that's what Twitter loves. They love their <laughs> conspiracy theories, so I'm I'm not surprised that that was the immediately uh, the immediate knee jerk reaction. Twitter is going to solve all crimes, including cinematic ones. They're going to learn everything about you, Chris. Why you deserve to be canceled too? Sorry, they'll figure it out. That's all right. I, I'm sure I'm well overdue for a cancellation, so it's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, if you'd like to cancel this podcast, you can send us an email <laughs> at peter at slashfilm.com with the words you're canceled in the subject line. Uh, if you want to send us any feedback, questions, comments, or concerns, that's where you can do it as well. You can find more about uh, this story at slashfilm.com linked inside the show notes of this episode. Uh, this Podcast is published three times a week, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of uh, movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. There are a ton of good reviews up at SlashFilm.com right now, written by people like Chris and HT, so I would definitely recommend going there, reading some of those reviews of stuff that's coming out very soon. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all on Friday.